and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Yes. W. A. B.C. Talk Radio 77 in New York. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, with you. It is my pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, to introduce you to a dear friend of mine who is one of the most brilliant writers and political pundits, uh, Lisa Schifrin. What else can I say? Lisa, welcome. WABC, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, James. I, I, I love your radio show, so I'm thrilled to be on it. Thank you. Uh, Lisa, you were there when the culture war got started, meaning there, meaning in the center of things at the White House. You were working for Vice President Quayle. Now, it's strange that it, it was Vice President Quayle. You reminded me of this after I played the Pat Buchanan speech several weeks ago and talked about the beginning of the culture war, and you added and refreshed my memory on some of the things that took place. Why don't we revisit that? Where did, and the reason, by the way, this is important today, there's a story in the Washington Post by Trump hater columnist Jennifer Rubin, and but she's admitting something really that <laughs> liberals that. Yeah, yeah. Talk to progressive activists involved in just about any cause, abortion rights, racial equity, the environment, gun safety, and you will likely hear a sense of foreboding bordering on panic. They are worried that they are about to lose the culture war. But what we have seen flaring up with Disney and this this battle in Florida, in Alabama, and now it's spread. New Jersey is instituting these graphic sexual edu- so-called education courses to first and second graders. And in fifth grade, it gets even worse. Take us back to the beginnings of these culture wars. Well, you know what? I want to say two things. First, um, Quayle kicked it off that year that election year, 1992, um, you, you had been talking about the speech Pat Buchanan gave at the convention. Quayle kicked it off with the Murphy Brown speech, which was a response to the um, L.A. riots. But not to take anything away from Pat Buchanan, he was a culture warrior way before. He he started about when it really started, which was maybe 1968. And he, as you know, he wrote for Richard Nixon. And Nixon... You know, Nixon's great phrase on this subject was the silent majority, where he talked about the people who supported him and whose support he depended on, who didn't get the attention of kind of the new left or hippies or the anti-war movement, all the things that the media put front and center. So, um, you know, Pat Buchanan deserves all the credit from way back. In 1992, Dan Quayle... um, started talking at he the LA riots as your readers may remember um occurred when Rodney King who had been beaten by policemen in southern california uh when the policemen were were um there was a judicial decision that let them off the hook so how that would come out now i don't know but at the time it was pretty normal and LA mm. dissolved into into black riots and it it was yeah, those riots were unforgettable. You saw a, a Reginald Denny beat in the head live on TV with a with a concrete block. L.A. burned. Uh, Los right. Angeles burned. And after that, we had Maxine Waters, for instance, which I find 
today, uh, kind of uh, almost ironic, saying that she wanted a bill so that the people in her district could have grooming money. Little did we know what grooming would would come to mean in these days and ages. But, yeah. But so, yes, we had the L.A. riots, and then what followed that was Murphy Brown with single mothers basically doing a show, single mom gets pregnant. And that caused Dan Quayle to speak up. This is wrong. Right. He actually gave a long, long speech at the San Francisco Economic Club in which he talked about all the ways in which black America was doing way, way better than anticipated and uh, expected. And then we ever heard since the Civil Rights Act, um, you know, incomes were up. Mostly people were doing just fine. But then you've got part of the black community, the inner city kind of multi-generational welfare part, which is small but gets a lot of attention. Um, And they weren't doing well because really ever since the Great Society, Lyndon Johnson in the the 60s, um, paying women to have children out of wedlock with no man in the home had done exactly what you think it would do. There were no men in the home. There were no fathers. Um, And that that's devastating. So you had generation after generation of boys being raised without fathers. And this will almost invariably pretty much anywhere lead to gangs, which is what had happened in L.A. So that was where that came from. And it was just a throwaway line at the end. You know, he talked about this in very serious sociological terms and economic terms. But at the end, this throwaway line about how uh, this very popular TV show is now celebrating single motherhood. And when they hit back, which they did immediately, literally the producer, CBS News, called the producer of the Murphy Brown show to comment on Dan Quayle's speech, 5,000-word speech, um, literally for the 6 o'clock news that night. So they went straight to their, you know, to Hollywood writers. They they went after Quayle for hating women and for hating Single mothers who are the bravest people on earth. Single mothers are very brave, hating divorced mothers, hating everybody. And it it was such a rich field to mine and so easy to throw this in the face of conservatives who don't know how to argue in the culture war that it <laughs> you know, it went on for months. Right. And Certainly George Bush was not the kind of Republican who was ever going to argue on these terms. He found it all very distasteful. And uh, Quayle, I think, did a valiant job, and it took a little while to be vindicated, a few years. But, you know, we went from 20-something percent national illegitimacy rate to better than 50 percent. So we're, we lost so big on this that it's not even—nobody even talks about it anymore. It's and now look old. at where the country is today. Look at right. where the country has turned. For instance, if you talk to um, to <clears throat> in the black community, at that time, there was a transition that was occurring. In the 1950s, early 60s, in black communities, they had the lowest rate of abortion and also the highest rate of two-parent families after the Great Society. Right now, black women in America have the highest rate of abortions, also the highest rate of single motherhood. So everything is flipped on its head, and when you start talking about the impact on society, if you are brave enough to talk about it, you get called a racist. If you get brave enough to talk about what has happened in the culture now, the glorification of violence. The, look, just today, 
uh, there was a, there's a story of, what is this? A, someone that's going to be elevated for a speech. At a New York college, at SUNY, there was a cop killer that was invited in the last month to speak to the students. And today, even there's more news of, of Hinckley, who shot, tried to assassinate an American president, who is now having a sold-out show in it's Brooklyn. Psychotic. It's psychotic. Uh, it, elevating total dysfunction and even, you know, psychosis is beyond who ever thought we'd get here. It's hard to, I mean, I, I'm glad that Jennifer Rubin thinks her, at, you know, her activist friends are, are upset because they should be upset because they've gone way too far everywhere. It's, you know, it's, it was one thing to be for the sexual revolution and it turns out not quite as good a thing as some people might have thought at the time. Um, but quite another thing to tell kindergarten children that their their birth sex isn't isn't permanent. They could pick something else if they don't like it. That that is so far beyond anything rational that it's uh, you know that I hope there's a counterpunch coming because God knows we need it. Well, and what you just described is happening in the state of New Jersey. Come September, it is the law. And we have been reading from the curriculum curriculum on the, the last few days, not only for first and second graders, but for fifth graders. And some of it is so graphic that it's almost hard to hear it. But this is what is going on in the schools. And it is not just New Jersey. It's Washington State. It's Oregon. And, of course, we know what has already happened in Florida. There have been a spate of TikTok videos recently with people that are on the other side of this. And they are describing what they are teaching the children. There is actually one today um, that's in the news where there's a teacher who says she gives her, her these are first grade, preschoolers. She's letting them pick different pronouns every day to call themselves. This is insanity on parade. It is insane. It's just plain insane. I, I, I thank God all the time that my own children are in their 20s and I don't have to fight this day in, day out, because how demoralizing for parents. And it, it's a, you know, it's a good sign that lots of people are pulling their kids out of public schools. The the teachers unions who are part of the problem here um, made enough enemies during COVID when it was clear that they were not going in to show up for work. And it was clear also that they were behind a lot of this curriculum. Um, they are, you know, they're kind of killing their profession. Let us hope, Lisa. If you look down the road, mm -hmm. you'll see you'll see fewer and fewer Americans sending kids to public schools. I hope you're right. Thank you for joining us, Lisa. We hope to hear from you in the near future. What a pleasure to talk with you. WABC and happy Easter to you. WABC Talk Radio 77. Remember, folks, Catch at Night comes up after this show. We'll be back right after this. 